The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello there, I'm Austin Bristow, and you're listening to On The List. For episode 17, our guest is pitcherless We Love Baseball manager, Miles Nelson. Miles, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. I, I feel a lot of pressure to like try to deepen my voice and really like talk slow and, and just try to impress all your listeners. But I, I just I got to be myself and uh, I'm very excited to, to be here across from you. Absolutely. And you know what? If you want to deepen your voice, you go ahead and do it. Lord knows that uh, I put my voice through an editor before I send these out. And that's why it sounds so good. Um. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, there's no way I'll compete because you'll just edit my voice to be way more high pitched. So don't be fooled, listeners. Exactly. I, I'm actually planning on spending like at least three hours just editing each of our voices to sound better mm -hmm. slash worse but we are back on the list is back and uh i'm here to talk with uh pitcherless staff and writers we'll be talking baseball we'll be, we'll be discussing what they've written lately and we like to do a mailbag session at the end where we answer your questions. So you can send those questions directly to me on Twitter. I am at Bristowski. But recently, the best way to get them to us is to join our Discord. You can join the PL Plus and get, get at us through Discord. Uh, Miles, where can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at Miles Nelson PL. Uh, warning, if you send me the mailbag questions, I can't promise I'll forward them to Austin. So, uh, But if you want to follow and, and have a little bit of fun time, that's where you can find me. There you go. Miles Nelson PL. That's Miles with a Y. That is. All right. Now, first things first, usually we would go right into getting to know you. However, today on January 7th, when we were recording, there was a big trade. Uh, there was indeed. Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco are now members of the New York Mets. Uh, the return there for the Cleveland baseball team is Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, Josh Wolf, and Isaiah Green. Now, uh, I've gone on record stating that I like Rosario quite a bit. Um, Jimenez is solid, could be, could be good. Who's to say? Mm -hmm. I don't know a lot about the two prospects that um, 
they're getting in Wolf and Green. I believe you had uh, kind of reports on them. Yeah, so actually one of the really cool things, uh, Austin teased obviously PL Plus and the Discord community, but that's one of the really cool things of being part of the Discord community is that when a trade like this happens, you know, one of our top Dynasty writers, Trevor Huth, just tags everyone and goes, yo, I'm about to talk about this big trade with all these prospects. Uh, we're going to go into it. And that stuff, we don't need, I don't think at this time that we're recording, we have something up on the site yet um, because it takes a lot longer to write a, a good, well-researched article than it is for the Dynasty guy to come in and just uh, fire from the hip of what he knows right off the top of his head. So, um, you know, we were able to get some uh, advanced scouting on these players. Uh, with Josh Wolf, he was ranked as our number 11 uh, Mets prospect last year. Now, the Mets don't have a great prospect um, uh, st- farm stable there. system. Yeah, farm, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and so, you know, he's a, a young pitcher, 20 years old. Uh, his only pitch in rookie ball. This was supposed to be, you know, hey, this is a good season to figure out what he can really do. As we all know, uh, minor leagues did not happen. So there's still a lot uh, to be seen there with Josh Wolf. And then Isaiah Green was actually just drafted in this most recent uh, uh, amateur draft. He was the Mets first round pick. Um, he is a very toolsy player, uh, projects to be a good, fast outfielder with uh, a decent bat. Um, Trevor Huth says he has an advanced hit tool for his age as a draft pick out of high school. So a lot, you know, plenty of room to grow for these guys. Obviously, with prospects, anything can happen. Uh, but I think the real crown here, and I, I know you think it's Ahmed Rosario, but I think it really it's Andres Jimenez. Uh, he is a, a played a double A in 2019, and uh, you know the cool thing about Jimenez as a prospect is he could really turn into anything. Uh, he could even be Francisco Lindor. <laughs> I feel like I've heard that somewhere, <laughs> but no, I think um, the return isn't bad. Uh, I, I think it's nice that they're getting two um, MLB-ready players back, Cleveland is, in Rosario mm-hmm. and Jimenez. Uh, mm-hmm. I imagine Rosario is a, just an immediate slot in for shortstop as a replacement for right. Lindor now. Jimenez, um, so he will probably... He might take over at second base? Um, There's a chance. He I, probably won't start the season with a big league club. I would be surprised. Yeah, that... That's definitely a possibility as well because he he played this last year in 2020, but but he got into 49 games and he wasn't bad. 263 average um, with eight steals and three homers. That's not terrible, um, but he doesn't walk much. Uh, his strikeouts are fine, so it's not a problem there. I think he will at some point be a regular in the uh, Cleveland lineup. I'm just not sure when that's going to be exactly. Um, and also the, the two prospects here, are basically just lottery tickets right now for the Mets. This is huge. This is a big deal. This is them Absolutely. like going for it. Basically, uh, they signed James McCann. They now have a catcher. We thought that they might be in the play for JT Real Muto. Seems like that was not their plan and went with McCann instead. And now They've got a new face of the franchise in Lindor. Be amazing if they can lock him up in a long-term deal um, and spend their money that way. He he slots I, in I as imagine, a number. 
when you make trades like this, and we saw this with the Dodgers trading for Mookie Betts, and uh, the Mets' intention obviously is going to be to re-sign Francisco Lindor um, and have him on the team for a long time. He's uh, going to be 27 this year, so still plenty of time for Lindor to be a productive, uh, definitely productive offensive player. Um, you know, a productive infielder, maybe not a shortstop for the length of whatever mega deal he gets, but uh, yeah, I mean they're they're getting you know a future. Uh, many-time all-star infielder. And uh, that's something that they've really uh, haven't been so great at. The Mets have not had the best infield over the past few years. A, a decent one, but Lindor is definitely a step above anything that they've had. Yeah, it feels like they haven't had a stud on the infield since David Wright. Yep. Um, so this is a big deal for them. He slots in as their new number three hitter, hitting mm-hmm. uh, behind probably Brandon Nimmo, Jeff McNeil. With Conforto, uh, Alonzo, and then Dom Smith, they have uh, at least on uh, roster resource at the moment. The right. pitching staff is going to be disgusting. But, I mean, they've now, at some point, once Cindergard returns, it will be DeGrom, Carrasco, Cindergard, Stroman. Right. Oh, I yeah. have no idea who's that. who the fifth slot's going to go to at this point doesn't particularly matter if they can make their way to the playoffs that rotation is going to bring them far yeah absolutely obviously uh remains to be seen how Cindergard does when he returns from injury i mean uh there's always questions especially with the the kind of injury that he had and, and the long layoff that he's had but carrasco uh definitely looked fantastic in 2020 um after uh you know dealing with uh, leukemia and uh, you know, the the treatments that come along with that. Hopefully Carrasco can have uh, a long career as well. And uh, I, I just really I think the Mets have set themselves up very well at the same time. I feel like uh, every offseason for the last God knows how many years we've said the Mets are looking really good this year. So we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. The NL East is tough. It's a tough division. I mean, the Braves are set up to be one of the best teams in baseball, hopefully for a good long while. Um, the nationals are still a threat. They've got, yeah. it's hard to count out a team that has Trey Turner and Juan Soto, Max Scherzer. Um, right. Phillies are going to be good this year. Marlins are scrappy. They, they're not bad. I mean, right. they're, it's, I think it's a stretch to call them good, but I don't think it, it would not surprise me if every team in the National League East finishes above 500. Yeah, I, I would say that I would say the Marlins. I mean, they're a frisky team. Uh, and I think the Phillies are the other team that I'd be a bit concerned about. Um, the talent's all there, but I don't know. The, the NL East just feels like a, a division rife with teams that are, you know, loaded with talent and then remains to be seen if they can put it all together. Uh, other than the Braves, though, who have done a really good job with uh, what they have and, 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 you know, keeping that kind of consistent uh, winning culture there. Yeah, well. Big trade today, but that's not why you listen to On The List. You listen to On The List for just some fun banter and to get to know our writers. So, Miles, let's get on into that. Why don't you just, you know, tell me a bit about yourself. Nice opening uh, question to start off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'm I'm an Aquarius. Uh, I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, actually, I might be. I don't know. I'm, I don't know about any of that stuff. Uh, <laughs> What I do know is that uh, I am no Francisco Lindor. Um, I did play baseball growing up. It was the first sport that I played. Uh, it was definitely, you know, my dad was a huge baseball fan. I uh, still is. Uh, and that's how I got into the sport. Now, um, 
I topped out in eighth grade uh, because I could no longer see the fastball. It just I couldn't see it and was like, you know what? Instead of ducking every single time a pitch comes anywhere in my direction, maybe I should just quit before you know I end up with some type of brain damage. Uh, <laughs> I've also I grew up playing basketball, played football. Um, I played soccer until my mom said uh, I was getting dirty looks from the other parents for sliding into their kids as opposed to going for the ball. At which point I said, I then I don't want to play. The sport's boring. I, I just stand <laughs> around for like 90 percent of it, uh, which apparently didn't bother me with baseball, though. Um, I've been with Pitcher List for as long as you have. Uh, we both uh, joined up with the 3.0. Yeah, we're uh, 2017, you know. 18, that off season. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I think it was uh, December 2017 when I uh, interviewed with Nick. So it's been three full seasons. Well, uh, two full seasons and whatever this year was. <laughs> uh with with pitcher list and it's been absolutely fantastic um i also write and podcast at qb list um it's been a a lot of fun uh doing that with them this season and uh you know hopefully in the future as well so yeah man i mean i'm just i'm here for the good times i'm I'm here for the sports you know that's that's pretty much all i bring to the table yeah man miles is uh has been a important cog in the pitcher list machine for the past few years uh recently promoted to manager status was that last year you got that going yes that so this season was uh the first season um that i was a manager uh of a team and uh we actually so it was kind of funny with with pitcherless i was always active i was always involved but i i didn't really find my place on the staff i i tried being a fantasy analyst at first because that's what i thought i wanted to do and after writing a few articles and and really realizing that my biggest issue is I don't know when to stop asking questions and researching and just write the dang thing. Um, I remember writing an article about um, Yasmani Grandal, who was in the middle of a hot streak in 2018. And I was writing an article about how this isn't sustainable and he's going to be on a cold streak. And by the time I stopped researching, he had hit that cold streak and it was no longer hot anymore. And the article was completely irrelevant because oh, I no. took too long to write the article. So I was like, OK, maybe I don't I'm not cut out for this. But I love this site. I, I want to be a part of it. And when Nick approached me, he was like, we want to do something that celebrates the fun of the sport. And that's like really what what you do and what you've brought to this team. So uh, that's how we love baseball was kind of created. It was just like we just need, you know, Pitcher List is such an uplifting, um, good vibes type of, of place and website. So we're like, let's do a section that just celebrates that and celebrates the sport. Absolutely. We'll get a little bit more into what that kind of stuff entails here in just a little bit. Now, uh, talk to me about your fantasy career. How many leagues do you play in? Uh, what's your favorite type of fantasy league to play? Stuff like that. Um, yeah, so I started playing fantasy baseball. I was uh, 12 years old and my dad, uh, his like, I don't know if his work league or his friends league. I, I still don't really know who all these people were, but uh, they needed one more for their league. And my dad was like, I have a 12 year old son who could kick all of your butts in this fantasy league. And I joined, um, had a great time. It was a lot of fun. I came in third, the first season, second, the next year. And they're like, how is this 13 year old kid beating all of us? I'm like, well, it's cause you know, instead of doing homework, uh, while you guys are all working, I'm managing my fantasy team and beating you all to the punch, you know? Um, so I've been playing since 2004. Um, I've always played categories. I don't think I've ever played in a points league um, until this year. And I'll, I'll talk about that. It wasn't a regular points league I was playing in. It was a uh, a guillotine league. So we ha- it had to be a points format. Um, but yeah, so in terms of normal, quote unquote, fantasy leagues, I usually play in like three or four of those a year. And 
it's always uh, head-to-head categories. Um, I tried Roto. Uh, I just – Roto's hard, man. <laughs> Roto's a whole nother level. Uh, I've tried Dynasty Leagues. I've tried Aught New Leagues. I, I think there's a, a, a part of my brain that just taps out after about 300 players. If I need <laughs> to know more than 300 players, it's – I can't. I can't keep up. So I uh, I don't do those anymore. But, yeah, head-to-head categories, I'm I'm always down. Absolutely. That's been – I got my starting points, but I definitely think that head-to-head categories has been my favorite over the past few years. Um that's most leagues I play in at this point. I mean, that's the staff leagues that we play in as well. Mm-hmm. And I I consistently say that that is the mo- most important league I play in is the pitcherless staff league. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I'll say this, too, about head-to-head categories. I don't just mean 5x5. Five five. I've played in 20x20 20 20 head-to-head categories leagues. Oh, like, my. I, I'm not sure what all the categories were. I think we played with, like, assists and putouts and errors. Like, it was wild. Um, but I am here for it. I think my – the best setup I've ever had was a seven by seven that added quality starts and strikeout to walk ratio for pitchers added uh, OPS. And I want to say walks for hitters. We kept struggling with the seventh category for hitters, um, but it was along those lines. I think that's the ideal five by five is there's still a little bit that you're missing in terms of the whole picture. Yeah, I agree. I think um, Getting something along the lines of either OPS or total bases, I think, is a great way to go if you're adding extra categories in for uh, hitting there. Uh, pitchers, I think, is a weird one. Um, K per nine, I often think, is interesting, or innings pitched can be good as well if you're adding extra categories. But that's a discussion for another time. That's well, I'm, I'll specifics. just say this. <laughs> I'm just going to say this. I'm a proponent for replacing wins with innings pitched. In, uh, I in agree. Pitched. I agree. I think... Uh, that's a really good way to replace wins is with innings yeah. pitched instead of quality starts because there's so few quality starts in baseball with the way yeah. games played nowadays. Both of those are problematic. I have very yeah. strong opinions about fantasy leagues, apparently. I mean, there's a reason that you're on this show and on this staff. <laughs> right. So most people who uh, are aware of who you are will know your favorite team. The jersey you're wearing right now, the Los Angeles Dodgers, congratulations on finally crossing the finish line. How do you feel? Dude, honestly, I I think the the weirdest thing about it all was the number of people who tweeted at me or, or DM'd me on Discord congratulating me. And I was like, yeah, I had so much to do with this. But honestly, <laughs> it is it was such a good feeling. Like, uh, so back in, uh, man... Like I really, really got into baseball around the time I started playing fantasy. And the Dodgers were okay-ish, mediocre in the early 2000s. Really took off in the late 2000s. Had a couple of fantastic years. Then uh, the McCourt era really took a dark turn. And then once the new ownership came into place in 2013, we have won the division every year since then. We have been in the playoffs every year since then. We have gone to the NLCS every year since 2016. Oh, sorry, not 2019. I try to block that one out of my memory. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, we've been we've been in the mix. And in, and in 2019, you know, we were one of the best teams in baseball. And so there was a lot of talk, right? It is so frustrating every year to see the same story, right, of of getting so close but not quite there. And it felt so good to see them show up in October, um, battle back from adversity against the Braves, which I'm I apologize. Uh, I know Oof. you're a huge Braves fan, Oof, uh, but like one lead. 
Well, and that was one of the things that that the Dodgers did time and time again in October was like, you know, we'd have all these players play so well leading up to then. And then suddenly Bellinger forgets how to hit. Seager forgets how to hit. Kershaw can't get out of innings. Kenley Jansen can't get anyone out. And to see them all battle back the way that they did was like, I don't know, man. I mean, I grew up being a Lakers fan, so I I was not, uh, you know, um, hungry for championships. You know, I I had plenty of those, but it was something else to see the Dodgers finally get that backbone and battle back and 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 win it all um, against a really good Rays team. They were really good. They they could have won um, in other years for sure. So um, it, was, it, it felt fantastic. Yeah, I mean. It's hard to disagree with the sentiment that the Dodgers were the best team in baseball in 2020. Um, it may have been a shortened season, but I mean, the playoffs were actually extended. So yep. I think if any, some people are going to say, well, they won the playoffs in a shortened season. I don't think that matters. I think if anything, they worked harder in the playoffs because there was an extra round basically. Yep. And. and- the playoffs were real. They they uh, you still yeah. had to play through the uh, NLCS and basically yeah. two NLDSs. So I yeah I think it's we and we played legit. some of the we played some of the toughest teams in the NL side of the bracket. I mean, thinking back from 2017 uh, to this year of all the years that we went to the World Series. I mean, your Braves, those San Diego Padres, who are a legit team. I'm definitely worried about them uh, in 2021. Um, I'm just sick of uh, every like if you don't live in San Diego um, and you don't live in L.A., the Padres are for some reason everyone's like favorite. Like, oh, my God, they're they're the team. We're going to follow them. They're so exciting. And I'm like, can we just all collectively get off of San Diego? Like, can we just chill, please? That'd be great. Uh, But they're they're fantastic. I think the 2018 Brewers and the 2019 Nationals are the only teams that we faced in that time that stack up with both the Braves and Padres that we just had to play this year to get to the world series. So this was one of our toughest roads for sure. Yeah. And it, you guys made your way through it and it was fun to watch all the way. I think, uh, I think Corey Seager has, uh, permanently scarred me. Uh, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think I'm allowed to like him anymore. Oh uh, man. He is. He was just very, very good in that seven game series against the Braves. It was brutal to watch, but, Congratulations, you finally got there, and uh, hopefully Atlanta is not far behind. You guys are not far behind, uh, for sure. Uh, you guys are a fantastic team, fantastic young team. And uh, for every bit that you were scared of Seager, uh, I was ten times more nervous every time Freeman and Acuna came to the plate, man. I mean, Freeman is just on another level. He, he's, he's gnarly. So it, that was definitely terrifying every time he came up. All right, well, now – do you have a favorite uh, like Dodgers player of all time or anything along those lines? Any favorite players that are maybe not on the Dodgers either? Yeah, this is kind of a weird one for me because um, <laughs> I feel like a lot of my opinions about uh, baseball players over the last 20 years have been formed by MVP Baseball 2005 because <laughs> that is the last baseball video game that I've owned. Um, the 2K games were awful and I have never had a PlayStation, so I've never played the show. And so even this year, I'm still playing MVP Baseball 2005. And so some of my favorite players are guys who are fantastic in that game. But I but I will say I also love them in real life. Um, I was always enamored by like the fast, like really great defensive players. If you had an arm, especially, I was all about it. Um, 
I, I think maybe that's because I, I couldn't hit. So I like, you know, related to these guys, but I was also really slow. So I don't know. I don't know what that was about. But <laughs> uh, my favorite player growing up for sure was Rafael for a call. I was ecstatic when the Dodgers signed him. That was honestly one of my favorite moves the Dodgers have ever made. Um, I loved watching him with the Braves. Uh, he I, I don't I, I was very surprised to find that he never won a gold glove because that arm that he had and the range that he had was just absolutely fantastic. Um, great highlight reels. And he, yeah, definitely one of my favorite guys that have, that have joined the Dodgers. Um, but growing up, my favorite Dodger was our catcher, uh, Mike Pizza. Because <laughs> when I was five years old, I couldn't say Piazza. Or I didn't know it was Piazza maybe. So I was like, I love Mike Pizza. And my dad never corrected me. Uh <laughs> So that was a good one growing up. And then of all the Dodgers who have actually like been Dod- – like Rafael Fercal I love and he played with the Dodgers. But when you think of Rafael Fercal, you think of the Braves, right? He was not True. you know, a Dodger. Um, maybe you think of the Cardinals because he was with them I think when they won it all in 2012. But like most likely you think of the Braves. Um, so my favorite Dodger has definitely been Corey Seager. I have his jersey. I'm wearing it right now. He's such a steady player. Um, he's, he's so well-rounded and I guess I just have a thing for shortstops. Um, <laughs> I just really like, uh, Corey Seager and the way he plays out there. Shortstops are fun. I mean, I know Dansby has been one of my favorites since he came up, so I definitely get that. I, I will say if, if we ever do the unthinkable and don't keep Corey Seager forever, Dansby Swanson is a guy I would like to fill that hole at shortstop. So maybe we'll take another brave shortstop. Who knows? Uh, um, no thanks. <laughs> Swanson, I'm, I, I'm fingers crossed. He's going to f- continue breaking out in 21. He was, I liked what, what we saw from him in the shortened season this year. And uh, absolutely. hopefully we can actually get that f- first overall, you know, kind of production from him. In, yeah. Uh, I, the coming I, seasons. I drafted him in, in our stack, staff mock draft. I, I really like what he has done, and uh, I think he will continue to grow as a player. Um, and at worst case, he's a gold glove level uh, shortstop. I mean, you can't be mad at that. Oh, exactly. I mean, our our defense up the middle but with him and Ozzy right now is just so much fun to watch. Yeah. So let's talk about your time at Pitchless a little more. Is there any kind of uh, series or article or anything like that that you have particularly been proud of or enjoyed? Um, so I, it's weird when I when I think back on my time at Pitchless, I'm like way more proud of stuff that I've been a part of that other people did, like mainly the <laughs> We Love Baseball section. Um, and there's another thing. Um, like I was really proud of our video game tournament that we did last year. Um where MVP Baseball 2005 beat out Backyard Baseball in the finals. A lot of fantastic uh, baseball video games were in there. Uh, Wii Sports, I think, made it to the Final Four. Uh, definitely made it to the Elite Eight. It was a, a huge underdog. Um, it was all fan voting, by the way. All, all of our audience um, and our readers voted on, on who they wanted. And I don't, think, I, I don't think I wrote hardly any of the write-ups on the, on the video games. We had so many staffers that felt so passionate about – you know, uh, uh, baseball stars four from like 1990s and uh, Ken Griffey Jr. Slugfest and these other games that they all wanted uh, in on it. So I really just oversaw it, but it was such a fun project. Um, I really liked the being a part of the Fantasy 101 series 
that we did last year. Um, you know, Dave Sherman uh, really uh, headed that one up, but I also uh, helped him out. And I wrote the intro to fantasy baseball. Like if you're just getting started, um, I wrote that with my mom in mind. You know, if she ever made the jump from fantasy football to fantasy baseball, I was like, this is how you're going to do it. So it was a really good time to write that. And then, you know, I said early on in this that I, I've always felt kind of out of place as an analyst. But um, last year when the playoffs started, I was like, we should do some like actual baseball. Like we do a lot of fantasy focused stuff, but let's do playoff previews. Um, and I wrote the Nationals Dodgers preview. And even though that didn't end the way I wanted it to, um, I was really proud of the preview that I wrote. And I, I, I remember publishing it thinking like I grew up reading articles like this in ESPN magazine or in Sports Illustrated where people were giving grades to the Dodgers lineup or the Nationals bullpen. And that's the article I felt like I wrote. And I was like, 12 year old me would be so proud of me right now. That's awesome. Honestly, if you have an opportunity to impress 12 year old you, you're probably doing something right. Yeah, I mean, he probably would have been more impressed if I wrote the uh, comic that's at the back of SI for kids. So maybe I'm more impressed like 15 year old me. But uh, yeah, either way, it was a really cool moment seeing that on the site and, and reading through it again and being like, dude, I did this like this is I'm really proud of this. So I just went back to look at the video game uh, tournament because I was like, I can't quite remember. How well did Out of the Park Baseball do? And then I remember it wasn't included. It wasn't included. We specifically included games that weren't still being made. Um, it was kind of like put on your nostalgia glasses type of a tournament. And especially because if we include games that are currently being made, then MLB The Show wins. And, there, and there's really no fun in the tournament so that's fair um, that's fair. unfortunately out of the park baseball also had to be uh unincluded uh, or you know excluded for that reason but also i don't think we really had any you know simulator style games they were all games that you could actually physically play a baseball game as much as i love out of the park and i know you do oh, uh it just wasn't quite what we were putting in there i spend way too much of my free time playing out of the park baseball I mean, there's worse things you could do. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you could do math. That'd be worse. I, it's true. That would actually be worse. <laughs> what about like outside of baseball stuff? What do you do uh, in your like hobbies, things along those lines? Yeah, this was uh, this is kind of funny. So I, I started writing uh, my responses for this, and then I had to go to my girlfriend, and I was like, "What do I do besides football and basketball?" Because it's just like I'm just. <laughs> Is that is that all I am? <laughs> um, so so uh, uh, to answer to answer that question, she she helped me realize that I, I do more things and uh, with my life. Um, first of all, like I mentioned before, I write and podcast at QB List, and that has been a lot of fun. Um, I, I've been a three sport fan my entire life. Um, basically, around the same time that I was really getting into baseball, I was very much into basketball and football. Um, so I, I've really enjoyed those sports. Um, I've really enjoyed. You know, working at QB List, it's been a lot of fun. And then with basketball, uh, basketball is a sport that I played the longest. You know, as a like I mentioned before, a slow, five foot ten, uh, unathletic white person, I basketball is definitely the sport that I should have stuck with. Um, <laughs> I made it to varsity uh, against all odds, um, and I played right bench or left bench, whichever one was further away from the coach. Uh, <laughs> that was my position. I still play basketball now. Um, I, I, it is a lot of fun. And I coach, I've coach. i coached middle school basketball since 2011. Um, it's been a really good time. I, I really enjoy like kind of being able to share my love of, of sports with uh, you know, other, other people and, and like kind of helping kids 
uh, really find that. And the best thing is, um, so I found that this, this job when I was, when I was going to college, I didn't have a car. So I just reached out to literally every school within a one mile radius of my, of my campus and said, Hey, I'm bored as hell. I want to do something. Can I please coach your basketball? Like uh, if you guys have a basketball team or anything that needs a coach or like if you guys do, I don't know, weekend after school, whatever type stuff, let me do it. And luckily the Lutheran school nearby needed a coach. So all the kids I coach are just like me, slow, white and unathletic. It's perfect. (laughs) I can relate to them. (laughs) I'm imagining you just sending out emails and all these like – Athletic directors being like, this is a random person just asking to hang out with our students. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember even uh, before I got the email back from uh, the Lutheran school, I got a call from like the local YMCA and they're like, yeah, absolutely. We're always looking for volunteers. Um, you just have to do a background check, which involves um, – I can't remember – like a fingerprint or whatever. And they're like, you do have to pay for that. And I was like, well, how much are those typically? And they're like, oh, there's 75 bucks. I'm like, OK, did you f- miss the part where I said I'm a college student? I can't – I don't have – I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> Sorry. Can't, cannot afford to be background checked. Yeah, I'm sorry I can't pay to volunteer at your local YMCA. My bad. <laughs> that's um, good stuff. But yeah, so I mean that's – like I like I said, I love sports. I've always been involved in one way or the other um, with all that stuff. And then outside of that, um, I really like to travel. Um, I've lived – How's that going for you this year? Uh, uh, actually, you know, we booked a flight to Hawaii uh, in April okay. because they're $150 round trip from L.A., uh, now, Hawaii is apparently in talks to uh, uh, restrict travel from the L.A. area because of how bad COVID is here. So that may not happen. But we have we have tickets. OK. Uh, we've been very safe this year. Um, so, you know, but uh, I, I've lived in Southern California my entire life. I've hardly ever left um, the longest that I've ever left for. I think I went to Japan in 2007 for like two weeks. That was cool. Um, a lot of fun. But, you know, I haven't seen much of the U.S. So every year. Uh, my girlfriend Megan and I, we try to go somewhere new. So in 2018, we went to New Orleans. That place is awesome. Oh, if you're going go go to go somewhere in the U.S., so go bad. to New Orleans. It is, oh, it is such a great time. Be 21 years old, but definitely go to New Orleans. Yes, absolutely. Or, I guess you could be older than 21, just as long as you're at least 21. Um, we went to Nashville last year, or I guess two years ago now. That was a great time. And then Very we to, fun city. Yeah, Nashville's a lot of fun. Also uh, a lot more fun if you're at least 21. Yes, yeah, I, pretty much all of my recommendations are like 21 and over. Although my next one, we went to Orlando last year. We went to Disney World. You can be any age to enjoy Disney World. Uh, maybe the younger you are, the more you'll enjoy it because you'll be less annoyed at all the freaking three-year-olds that are there screaming <laughs> at their stroller. Oh, my God. I don't think I've ever wanted kids less than when I was walking around Disney World. So uh, it's been a really good time. Um, just just I, I'm hoping that we can continue to travel to new places. Um, we have a – a uh, cork board map on our wall with uh, pins of places we'd like to go to, um, you know, New York, Boston, D.C., uh, Hawaii, Seattle, just a, a handful of the places that I've never been to that I would love to go to. So um, or never been to. I, I think I spent one day in New York, so that doesn't really count. But just would love to really in, in, in experience in full. So I, I'm all about traveling and getting new experiences and and new perspectives. Absolutely. That's I am 100% on board with that. Uh, 
I keep telling my mother-in-law who keeps asking about children. Um, I keep telling her that well, that's not happening until uh, my wife and I can go down, go to um, Europe. We yeah, wanted, that's a that's a good one. We want to do a train tour of like Central Europe, like Germany, Switzerland, things along those lines. Nice. I was about to ask where, because Europe is a big place. Europe uh, is large. I, is there one country in particular that you're like, if I can only go to this one country? I really want to see the Swiss Alps. Okay. Like okay. Switzerland, I would say, is probably the one. Nice. I'm I'm very torn between wanting to go to Spain and wanting to go to Italy um, for very similar reasons. Number one, uh, the food. But which, by the way, I just want to point out, I'm I'm very much into exploring the cuisine of places. That's pretty much why we went to New Orleans was because I, I absolutely had to try that New Orleans food scene. I would love to try Spanish food. I'd love to try Italian food like from there. But also um, and this goes back to I'm obsessed with sports. I really want to go to Spain and see like a Barcelona uh, football game. But also like a Barcelona basketball game or maybe Madrid. Like there's just su- such good like like sports there is crazy compared to here. We we're terrible fans compared That's to how true. fans are. Absolutely. Like you see like World Cup and things like that. It's and anyone who watches like international sports recognizes that yeah. American fans are only the only thing we have over anyone else is that we buy a lot more merch. Yeah, we buy more merch. Well, and we don't even have that over China, uh, but we buy a lot of merch. Um, and our our sports owners are the the well, I was gonna say the richest, but um, lately it seems like all of our sports owners are the poorest uh, <laughs> with the, what they're doing with payroll. But uh, it's like it's think they are. It's crazy, man. Like, uh, okay, so my girlfriend's family is from Argentina. They're from a small town in Argentina. Um, and they have a, a soccer team that they're super proud of. They're called uh, Boca Juniors. And Boca Junior has a huge rivalry with uh, Rivera. Like I'm talking Yankees-Red Sox has nothing on this rivalry. You know how I know that? Because they faced each other in a championship game in December of 2018 that had to be canceled and postponed because it was held in the city that the uh, Rivera team is located in. And they were tear gassing the Boca Junior bus. They literally like – mobbed the bus the players couldn't breathe they like had to cancel the game because the players were all dealing with the side effects of being tear gassed by the fans of the Rivera team they had to hold the game two weeks later in spain to make sure this stuff didn't happen again which obviously like that's not good we shouldn't aspire to that but like if any american fan thinks oh i'm a diehard fan yeah I'll, i'm i'm no you're not you are not wow. a diehard fan. That is wild. <laughs> yeah, dude. We were so stoked. We were ready to watch it. And we're like, why isn't it on? And we were like looking on Argentine Twitter and we're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> that is wild. Yeah. I definitely want to go to Europe. Um, I, 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 I think you have the right idea, man. Go, go travel before you have kids because, A, it's exponentially more expensive and uh, – also, you have to like cater to them. I don't know. Kids like need things or whatever. I know. Like, and they don't want to go and just like go to a museum. Like that's yeah. boring to them. What the heck? I just want to. I just want to look at pretty architecture. Come on, kids. <laughs> okay, I Ted just, Mosby. I just want to hike like all the way up this mountain. Come on, yeah, kids. exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah, not about it. <laughs> 
All right. Well, let's talk more about what you got going on with the site here. Let's get back to that. We love baseball stuff. So you, like you said, started up in 2020. Mm-hmm. Nick came to you and was like, man, we just need some casual, fun baseball content. And you are yeah, the man for the job. So just give me the lowdown of like what people would find when they go to that section of our site. I, I think, first of all, that's what uh, I think Nick said word for word. Uh, when he asked me to be manager was, uh, yeah, man, we just need some sweet baseball loving. Let's, let's get that on. <laughs> but sweet, that's, that's sweet baseball loving. Yeah. That sounds way better in post-production. I'm sure. <laughs> um, okay. But seriously, we love baseball is literally just like, so when we brought on a bunch of new writers and they were like, okay, what is, we love baseball. And I was like, Oh my God, I have to lead these people. I need to have answers for these things. I basically boiled it down to everyone out there. Who's on our site loves baseball for some reason or another. What is that? That's what we're tapping into. Is it because it's fun? Is it because the players do weird things? Is it because of the history of the game? Is it like, I, I, I don't care what it is. If it is a baseball related and B a reason why we love baseball that's it that's the whole section so we have so many different things in there um we during the season we had a daily article called the best things you missed and it was all about what was the stuff from the day before and some of the ones like i did one of the weekly ones and and some of the ones that i did were like everything from Johnny Cueto wasn't happy with the pregame music so he pretended to sleep on the outfield grass while playing catch <laughs> to Patrick Corbin almost hit a butterfly uh, on one of his pitches, and that butterfly narrowly escaped disaster. Um, to uh, Hunter Pence is in the bay uh, signing autographs for anyone who kayaks up to him and asks for an autograph because it was the day after he retired. And what better way to amazing. spend? Yeah, like what what better way to spend retirement than just chilling on a boat outside the stadium while a game is happening and signing autographs for fans? I mean, it's. It's everything about what makes baseball fantastic because baseball isn't just great because of home runs. It isn't just great because of strikeouts. That stuff's fantastic. But it's great because Anthony Rizzo has a bottle of hand sanitizer in his back pocket and gives it to the runner when he gets to first base because, of course, you do in 2020. Why wouldn't you have hand sanitizer in your back pocket just ready to go? Like, it's just – it's all that stuff. That's so good. I mean – one of the few articles that I wrote this year uh, was a We Love Baseball piece. I basically just wanted to do a um, a love letter to the Braves utility players of the 2010s. Absolutely. And so, and so I did. I wrote about, you know, Eric Hinsky and um, uh, who else? Brooks Conrad. And Please tell uh, me Charlie Culberson made it into there. Charlie Culberson did make it in there. Thank you. Because he's uh, one of yeah. my favorite Dodgers utility infielders of the 2010s. And when he went to Atlanta, like, I, that was one of the people I was most sad that we lost. I was like, no, not Culberson. Oh, he's yeah. so great. Um, I mean, some of the ones on there, like, you've probably never even heard of Jose Constanza, who was with the Braves from 2011 to 2014 when they were real bad. And he is best known for being really fast and licking his bat after he would foul a ball off. Wow, that's fantastic. I love that. I've never heard of Jose Constanza. It's so good. Uh, then there's Kelly Johnson, who mm-hmm. was a Brave starter when he first came up. Then he went and played for a few other teams. But later in his career, he was a Braves like utility guy. 
and we traded him to the Mets. And then we signed him the next year, and then we traded him to the Mets again. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I do remember that. Is um Kelly Johnson was the guy that would hit like twenty six home runs with a one ninety eight batting average at second base. Uh no, I think you're thinking of Dan Ugla, but <laughs> I am probably thinking of Dan Ugla. They're the same person to me for some reason. I don't know. I've always I get that. that. I get I've... that. But yeah, there was when you think about the the guys who are not quite good enough for everyday playing time when a team is rebuilding. You get a lot of weird, interesting players. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Johnson did hit uh, 21 home runs in 2011 with a 222 batting average. So I do want to – I want to – There you go. Okay, you weren't far off. Protect my reputation there. I do think I was thinking of Dan Ugla when I said 26 home runs and a 198 bat. That might be a Dan Ugla actual stat line. That sounds like every year that Dan Ugly was with the Braves. <laughs> um, but actually, it's, it's fantastic that you mentioned that article because um, – if I remember correctly, that was part of the Why I Love series, yeah. which which was something that Alex Kleinman, who was a, a new staffer at the beginning of 2020, uh, brought to me. He said, hey, look, I know I'm a Yankees fan, but I want to write this article about why I love David Ortiz. I'm like, OK, that's interesting. I wasn't expecting that. But yeah, absolutely. And and he has this fantastic story with David Ortiz where he, um, as a kid, was able to get Ortiz to come over and sign uh, I think Ortiz gave him his his uh, batting practice bat uh, and like signed some stuff for him. I mean, he was one of those uh, kids who was like he spent every game, like every game he went to, up against the barricade, like right up on the field, trying to get the attention of whatever player he could. And David Ortiz was the dude who was like, "Yeah, I'm I I love people. I'm I'm David Ortiz, man. Like I'm here, you know, for the masses. Like I'll do anything." And so he made Alex Kleinman's like absolute day and. So he says, I, I love this series. And I went, dude, like why I love we need to tell everyone about this because everyone who's on this staff loves baseball. You're not uh, with pitcher list because you like writing and you just happen to end up at pitcher list. No, you're here because you love baseball. We all love baseball for a reason. And so many people chimed in with um, so many different things that they love. And this was such a big I, I was honestly so happy uh, that this became a thing. Um we had Eric Van Rienen write about why he loves the knuckleball. Ben Ellen yes. did an ode to just like all of the weird things about baseball. Like I, I loved it. And and that was I, I hope we have more time this offseason to do more of those because I mean that's what baseball's about, man. It's it's about those days when you're a kid and a player throws you a ball, ball that he shagged in batting practice or uh, about the utility infielders that you're like, there's no reason I should like Jose Costanza, but I do. I love him. This is fantastic. Like, that's the kind of stuff that makes baseball what it is. Yeah, it's stuff like that. Um, one of my favorite baseball memories. Uh, I grew up a Braves fan in central Illinois, where everyone is either a Cubs or Cardinals fan. And if you're a White Sox fan, you're silly. Um <laughs> So in central Illinois, being a Braves fan, I am on an island. It's just me and my dad, basically. But we would go to, uh, we would try to go to a Braves game at Wrigley as, uh, see if we could, once a year. Mm -hmm. um, we would sit in the bleachers um, and just chill out. It would always be ridiculously cold because for whatever reason, the Braves always play the Cubs in April or something like that. So it's like 30 degrees, raining. Uh, with wind coming in off the lake. Wrigley's cold in April, man, I tell you what. <laughs> but one of my favorite memories is uh, I was uh, 
I was wearing a Braves like pullover winter coat because okay. again, it was like 30 degrees. We were sitting in the bleachers and these these drunk like 20 something Cubs fans were sitting above us and they kept pelting me with um, peanuts. Oh my god. Uh, my father uh, at this time he would have been 45ish but uh, he he used to be a cop. He is six foot four, probably like 250, 260. I do not want to um, mess with a guy that size. <laughs> and um, so at, at one point, my dad stands up. Uh, this is in like the seventh inning. Uh, my dad stands up and he's like, do we have a problem, gentlemen? And they're like, hey, man, we're just trying to watch the game. It's like, <laughs> and But the thing was, they kept doing it. And my dad goes gonna have a conversation with those boys after the game's over oh man so the game finishes we turn around to go march up the stairs i thought my dad was gonna get in a fight that day those guys had already dipped they were long gone i don't think they wanted anything to do with any of that but it was oh my gosh it was it was such a fun thing he was so mad that's hysterical you know it's that's so funny because it i had the exact same experience one time um, like literally getting pelted by peanuts. Like that's that's hysterical that we've both gone through that. Um, in 2009, the World Baseball Classic uh, Championship was at Dodger Stadium. And in 2006, when it first started, my dad and I went to a, a USA-Mexico game, I think, at Angel Stadium. So we were like, yeah, whoever's playing at the championship in Dodger Stadium doesn't care who it is. Let's go. It was such a great time. Absolutely. World Baseball, World Baseball Classic is super underrated, by the way. That does not get the attention it deserves. Um, so it is fun. It is a great time. But so in 2009, we go and it happens to be Japan versus Korea. And I'm half Japanese. I'm I'm very passionate about this. I, I get a little um cheap Japanese flag to wave at the game. I'm super stoked. We're sitting on the third base side. It's great, except I keep getting pelted with damn peanuts every time I wave the Japanese flag because I didn't realize this because my dad and I didn't think to look at this. But apparently – the third base side was the side all the Korean fans were on, and the first base side was all the, the side all the Japanese fans were on. And we had no clue that we were in the middle of some turf war, that we were on the wrong side of enemy lines. And um, so it really sucked. It did. I was, like, not having a good time. And uh, I don't know why. I, I remember this. It was a school night, and my dad is one of those. Um, school is very important. You have to go to bed at a good time. And so the game goes into extra innings. Um, it's like the 10th inning and my dad goes, if the game's not over, we have to go home. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? It's the world baseball classic championship. The, it's Japan. It's Ichiro. And he's like, well, you better hope that they win it this inning. And I'm like, dude, this is crazy. And lo and behold, Ichiro drives in the game winning run. Oh. Such a good time. Uh, got to see them win it all. And, uh, but yeah, dude, I, I, I don't understand what it is with, with – maybe peanuts are just the most aerodynamic and probably also like cheapest per unit so you don't feel as bad like chucking a few peanuts because you know you spent like $8 for that bag but there's like 100 peanuts in there. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's why they like to throw those. It's so good. Um, let's see. I just want to tell like one more baseball story. Just I feel like that's what this, this is about. This is about, you know? Absolutely. So – my one of my best friends going up, uh, his name's Brett. He's a huge Cubs fan. Shout out, lived, Brett. Lived in Chicago for a while, um, and 
he and I uh, would try to go to a Cubs game every year. Uh, if we could, if it was could be a Cubs Braves game, awesome. If not, we just go see the Cubs. Um, I am a pseudo Cubs fan. They're like one of my one of my favorite teams. They pass the Braves, and so we went to a Cubs Braves game. I want to say this was twenty eighteen. I think 2018, 2017, something along those lines. Okay. Um, again, April, of course. Freezing. Uh, and it was the worst conditions I've ever seen a baseball game actually oh. played in. Uh, it was sleeting the entire time. Oh, no. It it, it was right at like 34 degrees. Um, we were sitting in the upper deck because we were broke college kids. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, it, we we got to about the seventh inning. Braves are winning like twelve to one at this point. Um, and we're, we we go and we retreat to a bathroom uh, in between innings, and we're like, "Man, we are freezing our hands off here. We should we should just get out of here. We, it's twelve to one. This game's over. Let's just get out of here." And we're like, "All right." So we so we dipped out. We we walked back. We hopped a train back to uh, his place. Um, and we were, we were just listening to the radio on the train and, uh, the Cubs score a few runs. It's so now it's like 12 to four. Cool. Um, then they score a few more. Now it's 12 to nine. And then the, they end up coming all the way back. It's like, tw- it's like 15, 12 now. Oh, and they no. score. <sighs> and so we at, we, that day vowed. Neither of us is going to leave early from a baseball game ever again, unless like there are there's a medical emergency or something along those lines. Right. We we're, we are going to stick out whatever ugly conditions we are going to deal with because we we missed one of the craziest games to be played at Wrigley in the last few years. Man. It was it was brutal. I and and these are all like. You're listening and you're like, man, they've gone on some baseball story tangents. But this is why we love baseball. This is exactly, exactly what it's about. Like this is the stuff that these are the memories that you hold with you forever. And and, and you go, man, like I, I literally have vowed never to leave a game early, even though it's the worst conditions, even though it would be the, the worst like physical experience because we just love the game so dang much. And, and missing out on that experience was like that much of a big deal for you. I, I just – it's so funny, Austin. The stories that you tell just I have at exact parallels for. Because, That's so good. Because here's the thing. I have to mention this one. This is my favorite baseball story of all time, mostly because I'm not the one who's embarrassed by this. It's my dad. Uh, so my dad uh, in uh, late 2000s uh, took some business clients to a Dodger game. I don't know the exact story. I, I'm like 13. I don't really know uh, you know, how business works. But my dad takes these guys to the game on a business trip. Um, Dodgers are losing nine to five in the ninth inning. So they're like the, the, the clients wanted to leave. And, and when you take clients to a game, you do whatever they want. Right. Sure. So my, and my dad was the kind of person we never left games early, but he leaves this game early because they all drove together. They're in the parking lot driving out when they hear on the radio that the Dodgers hit back to back to back to back home runs to tie the game in the bottom of the ninth. Game goes into extra innings. Oh they give up a home run in the top of the 10th. And then Nomar hits a two-run bomb in the bottom of the 10th to win the game. And my dad oh heard my all of it God. on the radio driving home. 
And uh, uh, yeah, like you don't leave ga- like don't leave games early, people. Show up late. You're stuck in traffic. You're in LA. You can't make it to the game on time. Show up late. That's fine. Don't leave early. That's don't- <laughs> so good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I there's a guy in my dynasty league who is um, from Australia. He is a he's a Cleveland baseball team fan from Australia, um, and he made a trip to the States to do a Midwest tour of baseball stadiums. That's sweet. Um, he went and saw game at Wrigley at, um, uh, at progressive. Is that what Cleveland's park yep, is called? Yep. That's progressive. Nice. Uh, um, he saw one in at Comerica and things like that. But he, mm-hmm. when he went to see the White Sox game, uh, Brett and I went to meet him. Brett's also in that same dynasty league. And there so we met this guy who we had interacted with online for years, who was from Australia. And he he paid for tickets. We paid for his beers. It was a great night. Yeah. You can always connect over the universal language that is baseball. Absolutely. Well, hey, man, let's talk about one of... One of, if not my favorite thing that you do at Pitcher List, the Wacky Leagues. Yeah, this is this is this has been honestly, it's a dream come true that um, Nick lets me do these and like backs me on these because I, I don't know that I would. It is weird. It's out there, man. And uh, the the community with picture list and the PL plus and, and, and on our discord, they, everyone is really just like fully taken to it. And I, I love it so much. Um, I don't know. Austin, you were part of the guillotine league this year, right? This is the this first year I participated in the wacky leagues. Yeah. Uh, Mikey Ahedo and I, uh, co owned a team in one of the two guillotines and we made it to like the last four. I was pretty proud of us. There you go. Yeah. It was a weird year this year for sure, but, uh, that doesn't stop us. Okay. So the wacky leagues, um, if you haven't heard about these yet, uh, now, uh, just so you know, if you hear about this and you're like, that's dope, I want to know more. Um, Asher Dreidel and I did weekly write ups on them throughout the season. Um, and I've done a couple of, um, wacky league preview, wacky league, uh, recap. So honestly, if you just search the terms like worst ball, grand theft or guillotine, you're likely to find them. Now, those are the three wacky leagues that we run at Pitcherless. But I just want to start off by saying a wacky league is anything that you want it to be as long as it's got some weird and wild twist, like something that's that's just way out there. I, I'm here for it. Um, we actually uh, did a uh, – this one might be the one I'm most proud of. We did a blind draft league earlier this year oh, yeah. where two we had 24 people draft for 12 teams. So we had two sets of 12. They didn't know who they were drafting with. They didn't know the what that person wanted to do with their picks. They had no clue at all what was going to happen in the draft because you were only picking. Like if Austin and I were partnered up, we had no idea we were partnered up with each other. And Austin was making the picks in the odd rounds. I was making the picks in the even rounds. And honestly, like the the stuff, the, the shenanigans that ensued from that draft, the number of times people absolutely blew up the chat with like, how dare this person – like I think Kevin Newman almost lit Discord on fire because the yep. other manager was so mad that that the uh, his co-manager selected Kevin Newman. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was um, so good. Luke Voigt started a legitimate fight between people. Like people were arguing about <laughs> Luke Voigt. It was fantastic. So a, a wacky league is just anything with a weird twist. It, I'm here for it. Um, the way it started, uh, the last few years, I had this weird idea in my head of like 
there are so many baseball players in the league that are never fantasy relevant, but they're out there every day. They're doing stuff. Are they doing good stuff? I don't know. Maybe that's debatable, but they're still playing. Right. Jordan Zimmerman gets out there every five days. Um, Harrison Bader strikes out 50 percent of the time, but the Cardinals are still <laughs> running out. there. Why don't we make a league where it's like the opposite of point? Like if a hitter hits a home run, that's negative points. If the hitter strikes out, that's positive points. You want to get the pitchers that absolutely walk everyone, hit batters, you know, give up home runs. That's the stuff you want. And so that's where worst ball came from. And I was like. We I, there's people here at Pitcher List that would want to do this. Like I'm not the only person weird enough to think of this. So actually, this year we had two worst ball leagues, um, and it was just it's such a blast trying to go out there and look at like okay, who's making two starts next week in cores and is like an awful pitcher. I want that guy. <laughs> it's so hard to do research for something like that because everywhere you read is going to be for real fantasy baseball leagues. Yep. So you, the research for that has got to be just so difficult to look at the opposite end of all the leaderboards and yep. try and figure out, just switch your brain off and like <laughs> turn it around to be like, okay, okay. Uh, so all these people that are 0% owned, that's who I want. Yeah. That is a, that is a stud. Exactly. Now, and and the thing is, is that you have they have to actually play though. We're not yeah. we're not rewarding uh, Jacoby Ellsbury for being on the IL. You know that's not part of it. That's, you don't get those kind of credits. So you've got to actually be on the field. You got to be out there every day. That's why guys like Harrison Bader and um, all these other uh, uh, infield Freddie Galvis. Um, oh, these guys Galvis. are so so valuable because their glove keeps them in the lineup uh, or pitchers like. Uh, like I mentioned with Jordan Zimmerman or um, I'm drawing a blank on the Orioles pitcher, Alex Cobb, uh, who have yeah. these big contracts and have to be out there, even though everyone knows they're toast and they can't pitch anymore. They're still out there. So it's, it's just a great way to celebrate everyone in baseball, not just the this elite 200 guys who make it into everyone's normal fantasy leagues. Let's celebrate the other 550 guys who are out there every day and, and doing their best and uh and don't get the love so i worst ball is fantastic um i think the one that has gotten the most uh like love and attention from everyone in the community has been grand theft because Mm -hmm. like in grand theft the the premise is if you it's a head-to-head league if you win your matchup you get to steal a player from your opponent like we're playing for pink slips man like who doesn't want it like I, i i would love to win a matchup and go hey mike trout come on over here Oh, we just beat your team, so come join us. I mean, it's such a fun thing to do. It makes Sundays so hectic, dude. Sundays are so intense. You're like, I don't want to lose. We do, for most of the season, have protection lists. So you don't automatically lose Mike Trout in April if you lose in week one. You know, we, we uh, we let people ramp up into it. But then you're sitting there going, I can protect four players. How do I choose which four players to keep? Because I have more than four I want on my roster. You know, it's it's such it's such a conundrum and it's so much fun. Oh, my gosh. That that sounds wild. Uh, Dave Sherman was messaging me about that. I believe he won in 2019. One of the leagues. Dave Sherman did win uh, Grand Theft in 2019. He's very proud of that. Um, he yeah. he motioned that the champion of Grand Theft every year should be called the King of Thieves. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, he beat me on his way to that. Chan- I'm still salty about that one. Oh, that is that sounds like it would just be so much fun, so wild. But the one I played in this year, Guillotine, was a ton of fun as well. 
That one's intense, man. I mean, it's hardcore. So guillotine, the 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 basically what happens is it's a points league. At the end of the scoring period, if it's not head to head, everyone's playing just kind of like in one big pool. If at the end of the scoring period your team has the fewest amount of points, you are done, eliminated. Your season's over. I don't care if it's the second week of the season. If you didn't show up, you're done, and all of your players are on the waiver wire. So like week one. Like Nolan Arredondo is on the waiver wire. Francisco Lindor is on the waiver wire. These guys who uh, start off the season slow, like Rafael Devers, on the waiver wire, and everyone else has the opportunity to pick them up and add them to their roster. By the time you get to the championship, when you have two teams, they look like DFS lineups. It's like yeah. every every spot is loaded. So uh, it, it is it is so like for however intense Grand Theft is, just dial it up ten times for Guillotine because in Grand Theft, even if you lose, you still have another week. Guillotine is done. Yeah, if you are the last place, like Mikey and I were, would be like, all right, we are middle of the pack this week. That is okay. But, I mean, in the first week, uh, both Trey Turner and Francisco Lindor uh, both got cut mm-hmm. and were on the wire. And Mikey and I were talking <laughs> like, how much should we spend on a bunch of players? So we, we put in uh, ads for like 20 players. Mm-hmm. Um However, of our $1,000 fab budget, uh, we spent 500 of it on Frankie Lindor, and then we spent 450 on Trey Turner. I remember this. Uh, and I think the next highest uh, bids for either of them were like 100 or 200 <laughs> And so we completely overestimated how much we should spend. Blew and so all of the your re- fab. Yeah, we blew... All of it in the first uh, week. And so then after that, we had to just penny and dime our way to try and pick up guys throughout the year. I think we ended up getting like $1 Mike Moustakis off waivers <laughs> and like $1 uh, Keston Hira, who was terrible. Uh, things like that. But it, it was so funny because it was just like, well... We have two fantastic shortstops now, <laughs> and I guess that's our team. Yeah, that's the most fascinating part of Guillotine to me. Even when I, after I was eliminated, I still kept up with the leagues because that the game theory of what to do with your fab, it's blind bids. You have no idea what anyone else is doing. And I'll tell you from experience, there's nothing worse than putting in, say, like a $200 bid for Clayton Kershaw. And losing because someone put in 205. And you're like, really? I really just missed out on a top 15 starting pitcher because I couldn't go $6 higher? But you don't know. And that's how you end up with people like Bristow and Ahedo putting down a combined $950 on Turner and Lindor. <laughs> when it probably could have – $200 probably could have done it. Like, And it's just – it's fantastic. You ha- If you play guillotine and, – and by the way, I've done articles um, detailing how to do these uh, leagues. I will do – uh, articles again i think i i've done it for guillotine um and worst ball I, I will do more articles on how to how to run these leagues yourself but if you do guillotine you have to have to have to do fab because yes absolutely like okay you can do waivers and then uh we get to go down the list and everyone gets you know go down oh this person gets that player then the next team gets and that's not fun you got to do fab and give people the option to play it safe uh, or, or early on in the year not spend a lot of money or just go all in like Brisgetto, and that was just the best thing. <laughs> that was our team name was uh, Brisgetto. It was <laughs> so bad. 
which I guess is Briss Hedo, uh, actually, as, as oh, yeah. informed us that his last name is actually pronounced Ahedo after letting us all mispronounce it for a year. For years, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, man, guillotine, like, the Guillotine League, and, and I, I wish I could take credit for the Guillotine League. That has been around uh, long before me. It actually started in fantasy football. Um, a, a, a fantastic guy named Paul Charchin, uh, I think I pronounced his last name correct, uh, was the, uh, the inventor of it, but... Um, I don't know if there's been any guillotine baseball leagues. We might have been the first people crazy enough to to bring it to baseball. And uh, we're definitely doing it again this year. We're doing worse ball. We're doing grand theft. Um, we're definitely doing some more blind draft leagues because um, as as intense and nerve wracking as that was for everyone to watch other people draft your team for you and not know who they are. It was honestly, I think one of our peak activity moments was when oh, – yeah your your co-manager was picking and you didn't know who they were or who they were picking you had no way of communicating with them so yeah we're definitely doing more of them this year um if you want to be a part of the official pitcher list staff plus community wacky leagues you have to be a part of our discord community so definitely sign up and and you will i will make i everyone who asked me to be part of it they were in one there's no cutoff i will make a league for every single person that wants to be a part of it so join the community um Make sure to sign up, and and you can be part of some of these ridiculous leagues. Yeah, Miles works so hard on this stuff, and it's so much fun for everybody. That uh, you can head over to pitcherlist.com/slash/plus to join that. Um, eight, it's basically eight bucks a month. You get to you get the ad-free website. You get to join our Discord member. Uh, our discord community which is so much fun my favorite part about the discord community is talking about movies and video games yeah. and tv and stuff like that that's it's, my favorite part it's not just baseball although uh you're absolutely welcome to bug austin for his uh braves uh opinions whenever you want that's the other thing is uh exactly a lot of people come in here and and you've got your weird leagues your specific leagues your your, your dynasty leagues that you've been in for years and it's like that's what we're here for is we're here to help you out. Um, and with those with those wacky leagues, I, I will say it has almost made normal fantasy leagues like not as fun because it's like, I where's the stealing? Where's the guillotine? Like that's where the fun is for me now. I don't know, man. I I may You've only do it. wacky leagues this year. I, I don't know. We'll see. Well, wacky leagues and the PL staff league and the PL staff league. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, I think it's about all we wanted to discuss, so let's go ahead and we'll get on into our mailbag questions for the week. So, like I said at the beginning, if you guys want to hear your mailbag questions and get them answered on air, uh, go ahead and tweet at me. I am at Bristowski, or, um, like I said, another great way, hop on that Discord. So, our first question this week comes from one of the members of the Pitchless staff, Kevin O'Brien. What cities would be best for MLB expansion teams, and when do you think we would realistically see it, if at all? Miles, what do you think? Um, so starting with with what cities would be great for expansion, I I think I, I think the most obvious one uh, to me is Portland. Um, it's a city I actually remember uh, playing uh, out of the park baseball maybe eight years ago in college and uh, doing an expansion team in Portland. Um, and I, we did very well, uh, out of the park baseball really thinks Portland's a good city, but I, I've been to Portland. It's a fantastic city that I cannot believe they only have one major sports team in the trailblazers. I don't count MLS, um, no offense soccer, uh, but they, <laughs> they, 
there's a huge community there. There's a lot of transplants uh, moving to Portland from California um, because it's such a, a great, funky city to move to. And and I think they would really uh, take to a baseball team there. Um, I think that's an, that's an easy one. Um, and then another one for me would be Las Vegas. I mean, they've been teased many times. A lot of teams have looked into it. Um, they just got a football team. They just got a hockey team a few years ago. And I think we're sports like the biggest concern with Vegas has always been, can you get a dedicated fan base? Because so much of the people who are there and spending money don't live there, don't spend a lot of time there. So it's, can you have a sports team survive on tourism? And they're realizing that Vegas has more to do like more people than just the people who are staying on the strip and and it's more viable than you'd think so i think vegas will get a baseball team i think that's actually the most likely city to get a baseball team because we've seen the success with the the golden knights and we're seeing the success with the raiders and i think that'll carry over uh with a professional baseball team i agree i think vegas would be my number one pick um so we mentioned earlier that I really like out of the park baseball. Um, I created my own like entire league, uh, fictional league. I actually wrote an article. Yeah, talk about the wacky how league. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> so I've I've got a bunch of teams that are in weird places. I've got a team in Charleston. I've got a team in Jacksonville, uh, New Orleans, Montreal, Vancouver, places oh, yeah, like Montreal, that. Montreal, that would be the weirdest place. Who could imagine oh, a baseball team there? That'd be funky. So I think uh, good ones. Montreal's an obvious one. Vegas yeah. is a great one. Portland's great. Um, I think we could use another Southern team. The Braves are really the only team in the South because yeah, Florida, Florida doesn't, doesn't count as the South. Nope. Nope. So I think a team in either New Orleans or uh, Nashville or Memphis would be good. Um I think yeah. Tennessee definitely could use a team uh, just because Atlanta, I'm, I'm in North Carolina where um, people here are either Braves, Orioles, or Nationals fans. Uh, most uh, Mostly Braves, though. I'm still five-hour drive from Atlanta. Yeah. So it's there's definitely a big opportunity for them to diversify the Southern fan base, and I think that's kind of being wasted at the moment. Yeah, I think New Orleans would be good as well. Um, I, I As much as I love Nashville as a city, I will say they already have a fantastic minor league stadium. Like, True. That's probably one of the best minor league teams out there. And as as long as um, they survive whatever happens to minor league baseball in the next few years, I mean, obviously if they lose the minor league team, then yes, put a major league team there. But if they don't lose that team, I don't want a major league team there because they already have something fantastic. Um, Charlotte, Charlotte's a good city for a major league baseball team, I think. Um, they have basketball, they have football, um, no reason yeah. why they shouldn't have baseball. Um, that would be a lot shorter of a drive too for you. Uh, yeah, that's, New Orleans, that's an hour and a half for me. Yeah, I don't think New Orleans is any closer to you than Atlanta is. So, uh, if Always we're going to go to further. the, yeah, we're going to go to the South. Um, Charlotte's a good one. Um, and, and if Tennessee was an option, I'd want Memphis instead of Nashville just because of the, the existing triple A team there. Yeah, um, but yeah, I love put my, uh. That's where I put my team in the American Baseball Association was in Memphis. Yeah. I feel like um, Montreal, Vegas, and Portland are probably the most likely um, locations. Uh, Montreal, because they've had a team before, and, and just from an optics perspective, um, that's an easy place to go. Uh, but I think from a, a, a financial perspective, Vegas and, and Portland are probably the most obvious choices uh, based on that. Now, I will say this, though. I don't think expansion is coming for a while. Uh, I agree. 
we we not only do we have this upcoming CBA negotiation, which everyone apparently uh, expects to be super ugly, and I don't think uh, expansion is going to be on the table when <laughs> there's so many other things to deal with. But we also just went through the COVID shortened season, and um, all the franchises' bottom lines have been hurt with with everything that's going on going on in the past year. It looks like. Um, it's going to bleed into a significant portion of this year, um, if not the whole year, depending on how everything goes. So I just think the idea of adding two more teams to a league that is already thinking about their bottom line, it just doesn't seem likely. Um, maybe at the end of the decade, I could see it happening if everything goes well, but it it, it may be the 2030s when we see uh, uh, two new expansion teams coming to Major League Baseball. Yeah, I think before we get an expansion, we're going to see either Tampa Bay or Oakland switch cities, which is unfortunate. I think, yeah, that I, but I don't. I just don't think they have the means to continue in the places they are. I, I, I don't. Have you ever been to Tropicana Field? No, no. It's 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 not nice. That's I, what I, I've heard. It you walking around like. Um, around the um, field where all the you know concessions mm-hmm. are and stuff like that feels like you're in a mall, and then inside yeah. it's it's not much better. Um, I've not been to uh, Oakland. County the mausoleum, Coliseum. yeah, exactly. I've I've been to I've... the mausoleum. I I will say this about Oakland: there was a lot of talk in the last couple of years about them moving locations, building a new stadium, and part of that and i actually thought this was really cool part of that was building either it's either 6000 or 12000 um new uh, uh houses in the area um and half of them would be dedicated to low income housing which is a huge issue in california and specifically in northern california especially northern california yeah, yeah. um and so i thought that was a really interesting proposal now i don't remember how that has progressed because there have been um issues between oakland um, I believe it's Alameda County. Uh, I can't remember if that's the specific county that they're in, but I think that is uh, the state. And also Rob Manfred, um, they've had some issues figuring out exactly the logistics of it all. But I thought yeah. it was a fantastic proposal. I'm I'm very much into Oakland keeping a team. I think Northern California can absolutely support two teams. Um, and if, if part of the A's proposal is to build housing in California, I think that would go a long way. Uh, for the people up there in NorCal, which I believe has one of the highest homelessness rates in the country. So uh, I'm, I'm here for, for Oakland staying. I, I would hate to see them leave. Yeah, I think from what I understand, they, there have been talks of them building a new stadium. They, they had, A while ago, they were talking about moving to, I believe it was San Jose. Mm-hmm. And um, because of how connected they are to San Francisco, Yep, and the Giants. The Giants organization actually had to sign off and say, "Yeah, you can do that." Yeah, and they said no. They said, "We want you to stay in Oakland." Yeah. And so there's just been so many issues, like you said, whether it be Manfred or the county or the city, of figuring out, okay, where the heck are we gonna build a stadium and stuff like that. So yeah. I, I don't know if I, I think you're right. I think there is fan base enough to have two teams up there. It's just a matter of where because that stadium right. is not long for this world yeah i mean they could even go to sacramento sacramento is uh uh supports a uh 
an NBA team. Um, there's Sacramento is is a there's growing population amazingly. I think every city in California is growing in population though, and that's one of the issues. But that's a whole another topic for a whole different podcast. That's um, true. <laughs> but I I really I would hate to see the Oakland A's leave Northern California. Um, and I I don't know, man. I just want that franchise to do well. They they do all the right things on the field. I I, I don't want them to go. Yeah. How about our next one here from one of our. Uh, Pitcherless Plus subscribers on the Discord, Silver Snail. Outside of the obvious names like Kelnick and Gore, uh, what are some prospects that you think uh, will have a big impact in the majors in 2021? So I'm I'm going to start by saying I am definitely not the person to answer this question. I am not the prospect guy, but I will tell you this: when it comes to prospects, when it comes to dynasty content, if it's beyond this year, the people that I go to are Andy Patton, Trevor Huth, and Shelly Verstraight on our website. Um, they have some of the best analysis out there. Our Dynasty team in general um, has does really great stuff, but those three always uh, bring the heat. They are fantastic. Um, and so I, any answer I give you will be absolutely useless, um, but I will give you the three people that I look to. With that said, uh, Kybert Ruiz is one of my favorite prospects that I'm looking Ooh. forward to. Dodgers catcher. I don't know what his path is to the majors considering Will Smith is at worst a top 10 catcher in baseball and potentially a top five catcher right now. But uh, I, I I was very surprised to see uh, Ruiz not get traded for Francisco Lindor. I think he's a fantastic trade ship for the uh, Dodgers and we will see Ruiz as a major league starting catcher by 2022. Who knows for what franchise? But I really like Kybert Ruiz. That is a great call. I, I had I'm going to be honest, I kind of forgot about him now that Will Smith is so entrenched there. Yep. That is a great call. I I agree. He's probably not going to play for the Dodgers. Um, some names that uh, I thought of, um, Alex Kirilov. Um, he had a stint in 2020 for the Twins that wasn't all that successful, and people kind of seem to have forgotten about him. But now that Eddie Rosario is gone, I think he has everyday playing time. Um, I think we could see Nolan Jones in Cleveland this year. He's a third base and has been working out in the outfield, so he could be a corner outfielder, which they desperately need. Um, I think that could be an interesting name. Uh, Maybe not to draft, but definitely watch and see news on him, see uh, when he might be coming up, and uh, if you can stash him right before, you'd be in good good shape there. Uh, The last one I had was Ryan Mountcastle of the Orioles. that is one that I would not be surprised to come up as soon as the Super 2 deadline is passed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Orioles are ready for Mountcastle, but they're going to manipulate his playing time for financial reasons. Right. So I don't think he'll break camp, but I think, you know, logistically well, it's, it's as the far Orioles. as business goes. Any, yeah. any of these guys would be an upgrade for any of the positions uh, on the exactly. Orioles. Um Sorry, Alex Fast and Ben Palmer and literally 90% of our staff, which apparently is all Orioles fans. Um, I really like the Nolan Jones call because Cleveland really seems like uh, they're all about spending as little money as possible. So if they can just really, you know, exploit uh, young people to do uh, major league production at a below average cost. Um, yeah, they're, they're all for it. Yeah, I think that could be those could be three names to watch out for. Kirloff might be a good option uh, to draft. Um, yeah. 
you need to back half your draft there. Absolutely. Sure. Nice late round lottery ticket. If you're in a five outfielder league type deal where, where you really are scraping the bottom of the barrel anyway, Kirilov would definitely be a good upside play. Um, for sure. I like that a lot. Let's let's move away from baseball here. Dave Sherman, another one of our staffers, wants to know what is your TV or movie guilty pleasure? Okay, so I feel like most of the stuff I watch is guilty pleasure. I mean, um, that's not to say I don't watch good stuff. Like, I watched Queen's Gambit this year. That was fantastic. But um, so I – Megan and I are both really into competition shows um, and also reality TV. So that really culminates itself in uh, some of our favorite shows, which is uh, MTV's The Challenge and uh, <laughs> Top Chef. If you are not watching The Challenge – you are missing out like, oh, my God, it is so good. It, like the stuff that they do, like ignore all the drama. I Yeah, okay. it's reality I, TV. I have not heard of the challenge. Give me the like 10 okay. second elevator pitch. What is the challenge? Elevator pitch of the challenge. OK, um, 30 people, half male, half female compete uh, for a million dollars. It is basically it's like Survivor and Amazing Race and, and these types of shows. But the stuff that they're doing um is is a lot of really physical or or really mental types of challenges like okay okay here's here's my pitch here's my pitch one of my all-time favorite episodes like these are the kind of challenges they do the challenge is suspended over water in the bay in colombia the season takes place in colombia because they go all over the world their mission is to uh make it from one platform to the other and there are five cars like five sedans suspended in the air and they have to jump from car to car, get in one window, get out the other window, and and jump across. And they're timed. And um, just for good measure, they pour water on them from above like it's raining. And so some people make it across, and you see these uh, superhuman feats of athleticism. And some people go face first into the trunk of the next car and eat it and pinwheel their way into the water. And so you get both ends of the entertainment spectrum. You get the, oh my God, how are they doing that? I could never do that. And you get, ha ha ha, look at that idiot fall into the water. He couldn't even jump from one car to the other. Whereas like I probably wouldn't even have jumped off the platform to begin with. I would have been pooping my pants from from fear. So uh, it, it is it is just a fantastic uh, athletic show. So much competition. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And then uh, there's a lot of drama too, but I mean, it's it's the athleticism and the competition that keeps me coming back. And and here's the last part of my elevator pitch: Johnny Bananas, who is one of the icons of the show and has been around forever, has won seven challenges, has been on the Bill Simmons podcast twice. Okay. <laughs> Bill Simmons says this is the fifth major sport in America and legitimized it with two podcast uh, appearances from Johnny Bananas. So there you go. That's wild. Um, it's interesting you brought that up because uh, I was going to answer mine is Survivor. Um, I have seen every single season of Survivor. My wife and I watch uh, religiously, and I I legitimately want to be on Survivor. Like, I don't. Think I want you to do. participate. I don't know Survivor. about that. Survivor is intense. The challenge is like if you took Survivor, but like let them live in a nice house as opposed to fending for themselves in the wild. 
I'm I'm all for it. I want I want to I want to be on Survivor and have a horrible time and well uh, get voted out early. <laughs> it might it might then please you to know that uh, Jay Starrett and um, Natalie. I don't know her last name, but she's uh, the Sri Lankan who beasted on Survivor. Apparently, she's a Survivor oh, yeah. legend. They are both on the challenge this season. Um, oh wow! And they're doing very well. Yeah, the challenge. The challenge. Uh, there's no one on the challenge who's never been on some other form of of reality TV before. Uh, they used to pull from Real World and Road Rules, but now they get people from Survivor, from Big Brother, from Ultimate Beastmaster on Netflix. They got Lolo Jones, a former Olympian. I mean, they 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 pull from a very wide pool of talent. So it it really feels like a culmination of of a lot of. Uh, yeah, I love the challenge. I could talk. I could do a whole podcast on the challenge. So I'll stop now. Interesting. Interesting. I'm going to pull a few more here just because we're having fun. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I had a good one. Where? Oh, yeah. Another staffer, Adam Howe. Which no longer used or demolished stadium would you bring back today and why? I've got thoughts on this. I have, I have thoughts on this. Uh, my, I have two, and they're very much in the same realm. Um, the polo grounds. That's what I was going to say. Okay. Well, then I'll go in on why the Los Angeles Coliseum should be brought back. Now, there's a lot of reasons why the Coliseum shouldn't be brought back. It's ancient. It's terrible. Um, it's falling apart at the seams. I went there recently for a preseason football game, and I was like 99% certain that uh, I entered a building that hasn't been updated since the 1800s. However, the Dodgers played at the LA Coliseum from 1958 to 1962 before Dodger Stadium was built. It is 250 feet to left field. 250 feet. They had to literally erect like a bigger wall than the than the green monster because otherwise it would have been ridiculous. But here's the better part. So the LA Coliseum is a, a football and a track field normally. That's where the, the Rams have played uh, their games before uh, the opening of the Inglewood Stadium this year. Right field, 440 feet. <laughs> it is a 200-foot difference from left field to right field. Like, come on. We need more of – like baseball stadiums for all of their fun and all of their wackiness and all the, the BS that happens in center field and, and Fenway and uh, the former aquarium in Miami. Like they bring back the fish, please. Uh, they, we don't have enough stadiums that are bold enough to go 200 feet difference from left field to right field. Bring back the That's LA Coliseum. so good. Uh, yeah, Polo Grounds is just so freaking iconic. That's literally uh, all I wrote in my notes about Polo Grounds. I wrote Polo Grounds is iconic. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, it, what is it? It's uh, 505 feet to dead center. <laughs> 505. It's it, it doesn't look like a baseball stadium. It's just an like, basically an oval with squared off edges. Yeah. And so <laughs> I to... Uh, it's two. It's two fifty-eight to left and two seventy-nine to right. Correct, because it's it's squared off. It's yep. so freaking weird. So you can get a home run down the line, super easy. But if you shoot it to center, it's going to be caught or it's going to roll a long way. Well, and um, and some of them are caught by Willie Mays. Uh, obviously, the most one of the most iconic catches in baseball history was the, the over-the-shoulder catch in center field and Polo Grounds. I I. I want Polo Grounds to be brought back, brought back because I want – a couple of years ago, Dan Richards um, did a fantastic article on PHR, which is probable home runs. Um, it may wow. not be probable. I think that's what it was. Um, and it, it, basically it takes a lot of the same things that you see for like uh, the X stats does, which is uh, normalizes for all the different stadiums, how many home runs 
did a guy hit in this stadium? Well, how many would he have hit, you know, if he was uh, normalized for all the stadiums? I just want to see that article, but for polo grounds. Just polo grounds. <laughs> just give me polo grounds. Like, how many home runs were hit that were further than 505 feet? Like, uh, probably not many, but how many I were know hit? How many home runs were hit? 200 and, t- and like exactly. 60 feet. Exactly. That's the, the kind line. of thing I need. That's the analysis we need more of at Pitcher List. That and we also uh, they need to bring back Tows Hill in uh, Man no, Made Park in Houston. No, they don't. Yes, no, they do. Don't. You absolutely no. need to bring look, back okay, Tows Hill. I'm all about the wacky <laughs> stuff for sure, as you know. But uh, I'm also about safety and like players like not getting hurt stupidly. And Tows Hill was like literally like the dumbest thing I've ever seen on a baseball field ever. Like, why is there a hill in center field? Because there is. <laughs> Why is it 505 feet to dead center and polo grounds? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's the that's same. The, it's the that's same one of the weirdest parts. Well, that's yeah. one of the weirdest parts about baseball is that no other sport can you change the dimensions of the playing field and everyone is perfectly okay with that or even encourages it. Yep. Like uh, every okay. every football stadium has these same Dimension. width yep. and lengths yep. and dimensions of the field. Every basketball stadium, soccer, everything like that. In baseball, they do what they want. A couple of years ago, uh, like maybe two years ago, Angel Stadium lowered their wall in right field. And we we wrote an article about what that means for Angels hitters because it's easier to hit home runs in right field now. And everyone did, no one batted an eye. They were like, yep, that, that's what happens. That's what baseball stadiums do. I, I wonder – I don't actually know if there are regulations for dimensions and things like that. Like I know that you have to have – it's this far to – First base, the, second base. First base in the mound and all that kind of stuff. But as far as the outfield and how much foul ground and stuff like that you have – because, I mean, Oakland Coliseum, there's like oh, 40 feet of foul ground. There's no way there's any regulations on foul grounds because it's so wild everywhere. I also – I just want to go on record. I absolutely cannot stand bullpens in the foul territory it's it's the worst oh, no, thing. that's awful it's that's the worst awful. thing um I, I i feel like there has to be minimums and maximums on on distance to the wall uh like they might be like minimum 250 maximum 500 but like there's got to be some type of min max you would you would think so there's got to be wild um but yeah man let's bring back polo grounds let's bring back the la coliseum um let's let's bring back uh Abbott's field. I don't. Let's let's bring them all back. I, I'm 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 here. Let's 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 yeah, make well, uh, the field of dreams field a real field. I mean, let, let's do it. Let's let's t- make the uh, the Portland uh, stadium is going to be a recreation of the Polo Grounds, the Port Portlo Grounds. Um, that was horrible. And, and then we'll have the Vegas stadium is going to be a recreation of the LA Coliseum. There you go. I also I would love to see. Um, uh, I'm trying to pull it up right now, um, but unfortunately uh, Wikipedia is failing me. I'm, I'm trying to look up the backyard baseball uh, fields. I want to see Steel Stadium. Let's get Steel Stadium out here. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, let, let, let's get all the good backyard baseball diamonds. I, I for some reason I'm drawing a blank on their names, but let's get those too. That's so good. All righty, man. I think that's gonna about do it for us. So. Closing thoughts. Um, what do you got going on right now in the off season? What are you working on? What do you uh, What do you want to promote? So I want to tease something that I can't announce, but I have something very exciting coming. So yes, keep an do. eye on 
that because uh, I'm very excited for it. Um, you'll probably find out about it in, I don't know, maybe February or March. Um, but it's, it's in the works. Um, definitely keep an eye on my Twitter cause I will definitely, uh, tell you all about it as soon as I can. I, 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 if you're my mom or my dad, you know what it is, but everyone else, I'm uh, very excited to, to be able to tell you that. But I will say this for, we love baseball. Um, if you remember in December, you know, we've done a couple of tournaments. We did, uh, the nastiest pitches of the year tournament. We did the best bat flips of the year tournament. Well, and we did the the live draft for the things we love about baseball. Well, guess what? Yeah. You guys, everyone listening to this podcast, you guys will be able to participate in our next big tournament because all of those things that we drafted for the We Love Baseball, Best Things About Baseball draft that we did, we're going to put them in a big March Madness style bracket. And you will be able to tell all of us what truly are the best things about baseball. Is it – the sounds is it the hot dogs is it walk off home runs is it that buzz that feeling that you get right before the big pitch which by the way that's my thing i i love i love that baseball is it's so weird i was i was thinking about this earlier basketball which i love is like jazz everything's always happening there's a lot of improv going on baseball is like house music because there's that build up and then when the bass drops everything happens just like you've got that slow quiet build up and then when the ball hits the bat boom everything's happening so you guys get I, I'm, I'm going on a soapbox here but you guys get to tell us what you think are the best things about baseball so definitely keep an eye on that because um you will have a hand in determining once and for all across the internet what the best things about baseball truly are so i'm very very excited for that um in, in the we love baseball section i actually didn't know about that so i'm i'm actually excited about that as well we have not announced it yet. That's something we've been working on. It's a big undertaking, but it's something we've been working on uh, uh, behind the scenes. So, yeah, this is the uh, first time anyone's hearing about it. That's very you exciting. You got the scoop, Austin. Boom. All righty, man. Well, thank you for coming on. Give me your uh, Twitter handle one more time here. Yeah, you can find me at Miles Nelson PL. And like I said, that's where we're going to have all the announcements. I mean, obviously, you'll find this stuff uh, at Pitcher List as well. But, you know, there's a lot of fantastic people at Pitcher List. And you might miss the announcement of this amazing tournament and, and my special announcement amongst it all. So find me at Miles Nelson PL. Fantastic. Well, Miles, it's always a pleasure, my friends. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. I have to, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you were able to get on here so we could finally bring back on the list. I am committed to making this a regular podcast for Pitcher List and uh, having more and more of our fantastic staff on. When this originally started, I, I said that I wanted to do eventually do a podcast with every member of the Pitcher List staff. Um, our staff is, I'm pretty sure, well over 100, pushing 200 at this point. I was about um, to say, you've got one down, 159 so, to go. So, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a bit of a task. But, hey, may as well get started. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got some amazing people on the staff now, some really, really cool people who just joined. So you've got your work cut out for you, Austin. But uh, let me tell you, if there's a, if there's a, a task to undertake – Talking to all the people who make up Pitcher List is, is one of the better ones out there. I agree. It sounds like your dogs need you. You may better get to them. Thanks, man, for coming on. Mm-hmm.